7 billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that 1 in 7 billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Shut up and sit down. All day, like all morning, this morning before I went to bed, I thought today was Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that's my day right there. That just sums it up, really, because when you think most of your day that it's one day and it's actually the other, nothing, nothing works out the way you want it to work out. Just nothing. Just, um, I did. I'm running around crazy on top of my house. Shut the door. Okay. I'm in my office now. I had to use a soda stream to make myself some some stuff. And oh shit. I forgot to turn the chat room on. Um I think Yeah, I did. Um come on, hold on one second. So if you refresh now, you should be getting a chat room option. Usually I launch it before I do anything else. It's just, you know. There it goes. <coughs> Sorry about that, folks. But if you refresh, like I said, you'll get your chat room option. Uh, and I won't say anything important for a couple of seconds here so you guys can, can get into the chat room. That's my bad. I... Uh, Spent the day or the evening looking at Jesus. I turned my fan all the way off, and now I'm about to die. Uh. <clears throat> anyway, I uh, spent my day looking <laughs> for sound effects online that are uh, commercial-free, you know, uh, public domain, and I found some. Some which you know, you guys are probably going to regret more than I will because I uploaded some of them to my to my dashboard to play with. <laughs> I am doing a, another show about Rough Trade, mostly because the first Rough Trade show I I had disappeared um, through my own fuckery. Uh, you know, it's not ever going to be there, so if, you know. It'll, Anybody who's been looking for it or thought that maybe iTunes cheated them out of something, it's not there. It's not ever going to be there. It's just gone. It's a leaf on the wind. Okay. Okay. I was actually, I have this awesome, terrible, no good idea that I'm going to do, and it's it's bad. But first, uh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you this idea first because it, I have a plot bunny, 
and I've never had a plot bunny quite like this before. I was, like I said, I was on that site looking at uh, free sounds and stuff, and I found one. I'm going to play it for you. Um, and it is the creepiest shit I've ever heard. And I want to do like a, uh, I want to write a script for a podcast based on this. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, I want you to listen to this. Okay, here goes. Subdirectory navigation. Experiment gamma. Please enter access code. Submitting access code. 7556060607253. Please wait for confirmation. Facility X binary weapon system is now online. Biostasis containment pods are now unlocked. Warning. Please move to a safe location. Creepy, right? I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something. I think I'm going to write a podcast for this, like a like a old school radio show story. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going to do something with it. It's it's really creepy, and um, it's good. It's definitely going to be a Stargate project. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm I'm, I'm super excited. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's very creepy, right? It's it's very creepy. Um, <clears throat> I have some other stuff too that I downloaded, you know, just just to fuck around with, but, uh, that is just, it's, um, yeah, creepy, and, um, I want to play with it, and, and it reminded me of Alien, Aliens, I guess, more than Alien, um, and, um, I just, I really want to play with it and and see what I can do. The thing about ideas, when you get them, is that sometimes they're small ideas, and sometimes they're huge ideas, and you don't know what to do with it. And you write it down, and, and, and you let it go, and then you, and then you come back to it, and then you know it's it's different when you approach it again. And one of the reasons why I structured Rough Trade for July the way I have, or the way I will, and I'm going to do a sign-up sheet tomorrow, and you guys will get all the, the dirty details. Um, so some of them tonight, most of them tomorrow, is because I I feel like. Fandom is an encouragement to be verbose. You're encouraged to write big, to write complicated, to tell 500,000 word stories. And here's the thing. This is me telling you as a professional. Works over 100,000 words will not sell unless you're J.K. Rowling or that dude that writes Game of Thrones, okay? That's the way it works. In sci-fi, in fantasy, you have a little more leeway, sometimes up to 150 if you're a new author. But in order to get those big works that you're liking to write in fandom or into an original work, you have to establish yourself. You have to already be Stephen King before you can submit a 300K novel to a publisher and expect it to be published. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to do 180, 200,000 words out of the gate as a new author. It, It just really doesn't happen unless you're special, really special. You have to be, I mean, even if you look at J.K. Rowling's work, the first book, it's not big at all. It's actually the smallest of all of them. And when you look at Stephen King's work, 
his young work is smaller. It's less complicated because no publisher wants to invest in you as a new author that way. They're just not going to do it. And so you get comfortable in fandom writing at a, at a big length, and it ruins you. It ruins your ability to write small. And so one of the challenges in July is um, to write small, to have a small, compact plot with no significant subplots, with a minimal number of characters. And it's about telling a rich, complex story in a very simple... It is a skill that not every writer has. But I think it is a skill everybody should have. And it's a skill you should aspire to have. And if you fail at it, that's fine. But it's not okay to assume you can't do it and not even try. I think there's a question in the chat room. It says, what is the normal minimal amount of character for a novel or a novelette? No novella is the term most often used in industry. Novella tends to run around 25K. Um, anthology short stories are around 10, 15K, which is why I've given everybody a 10K cap for the two weekly challenges in, um, in July. Um, I think that it's mostly about giving yourself room to, to explore a single character. And to do it in such a way Chris King is saying her shopping list is, is, is bigger than 10K. Actually, my average plot document is is bigger than 10K. Um, so that's yeah. So it's it's a daunting task. I've come, you know, I've got some short stuff on my site, so I've done it. I've I've done much much shorter uh, <clears throat> number of characters in a story. I think that two to three characters is fine. But if you've got 10K going on, you don't have room for 10 characters. You really don't. And you really only have room for one, possibly two points of view. Ideally, one point of view, really. If you really want to delve into the character and make it character-centric, you have to devote yourself and your plot to that principle. That's just my personal opinion. I could be wrong. I doubt it, but I could be wrong. The ability to write in a single POV is also a skill I think that um, a lot of writers um, dismiss as not important today, and um, it really, it really is super important. The ability to write in a single POV and to tell a story from one person's point of view and to give a complete story to your reader in a single point of view in a tight, concise story is a skill I'd like you all to aspire to. I think it's an important one. You can get... There's a lot of room in the um, independent publishing market for short stories and novellas. Um, as little as 3,000 words in some publishers and... 
I would you know, five to twenty five thousand words. Those are actually really good ways to stick your foot in the door in an independent publisher, especially the ones online that specialize in, in, in that kind of content. And if you can tell a story in such a way that it's satisfying to your reader, then you've done your job, you know. But I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. But it's actually easier for me to tell a story in about 200K than it is for me to tell a story in 10K. So serious. That's terrible, right? <laughs> and my longest published professional work is 102,000 words. That's it. That, that's my longest published professional work. I have some short stories and anthologies and you know magazines and stuff like that. Um, but my longest professional work is 102, and even that was cut down from 115 that it originally was. And my editor would have preferred it be around 95. <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's that's not going to happen. I have too much story to tell, which, which is what I told my editor at the time. Oh, no, 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 no. I have too much story to tell. And she says, then you need to tell a more concise story. And this is what it means to write for market. But it boils down to bloating. Priya is talking about they don't know what they're missing in big works. They do know what they're missing. They're missing their bottom line. Because when you're publishing it in print, every single word costs money. And if you can find a writer that can tell the same story in 95,000 words that another writer can tell in 120, you're going to go with the writer who can do it in 95 because that's more economical. People don't want a longer story. They want a good story. I cannot believe the chat room just censored Dickens. <laughs> it just does not like work the, the word dick at all, which is a shame. It's a total shame. Anyways, they don't, Yes, there are some readers that see a giant book, 900 pages, and go, yay, and throw their hands in the air, and they're super excited. And others look at it and go, oh, Jesus, I'll never finish that. And they don't buy it. They don't buy it. Because a book that big costs a great deal of money to put together. It's going to cost a great deal of money to ship. It's going to cost a great deal of money for your reader to buy, especially in print. One way to prepare yourself for the writer's market is to learn to tell a story in a sharp, concise, tight way. And that's why I'm doing July the way I'm doing it. I'm considering it a writing exercise. It's okay to fail. It's not okay to assume you'll fail and never try. Let's talk about how to construct a short story. 
I did this before in my first rough trade, so those of you who have already listened to this, I apologize, but that rough trade disappeared, and now I have to do it over again. I do like big, fat books, and I cannot lie. That is true. I do. I really do. But they don't sell unless you're Stephen King or what's that guy's name that writes the Game of Thrones, J.R.R. Martin or J.K. Rowling. So, and you're not that. That's just like that that, that whole head-hopping rule. Um, unless you're Nora Roberts, you don't get to head-hop. You really don't. And until you've had at least two, three bestsellers, you don't get to write over 100,000 words and expect to be published. You might want to be published, but I wouldn't go out of the gate assuming it's going to happen. What is head hopping, Inkwave asked in the chat room. Head hopping is when you're in one character's point of view and you switch to another character's point of view in the same scene, and then you switch to another character's point of view in the same scene, or you go back and you go back and forth over and over and over again in the same scene. It should be your goal to keep a scene in one point of view. At the very least, two points of view. But if you approach three points of view in the same scene, you've got a problem. Number one, you don't know who you want your narrator of your story to be. Number two, you clearly have no idea who your main character is. And number three, you're under the impression that every single character you create deserves a point of view, which is absolutely not true. It's just not true. Okay? Good, good. Um, there are plenty of people in your story who don't deserve their own scenes, who don't deserve their own points of view. That's what it means to be a secondary or minor character in a work. Actually get to have a point of view. And really, and really, unless you're writing a big series, when you're writing a single story or a single novel, you should keep your points of view to your main characters. And if you're telling a suspense or a mystery, maybe even your villain's point of view. But no one needs to know what the bartender's thinking, or the cab driver, or that dude on the corner who's peeing in a trash can. Don't, don't need to know. And no one gives a shit what Ron Weasley is thinking. No one will ever give a shit what Ron Weasley is thinking. Unless they're one of those tragic, terrible, inflicted people who ship Harry and Ron. Although I do have that one story that I read that's Harry and Ron. I can't even help myself. It's, it's called Sympathetic Magic. I've already confessed that once. Let's not talk about it again. We all have our moments. We do. We all have our moments, okay? Not only is it Harry and Ron, but it's also male preg. I... I love the shit out of that story. And it is crazy. It's crazy. I read it like three times a year, right? And so, you know, we all have our moments. And, and that one is mine in the Harry Potter fandom. Um, I don't even know. 
I don't even know. I also have a terrible, terrible kink for boys and panties, but that's an entirely separate issue, for real. It is a separate issue. <clears throat> I've read that Harry, you know, Inkwave says she likes the Harry Ron, where Harry is a curse breaker and all those different Horcruxes were other people as children. Um, it's Gems, Harry Potter and the Gemstones, or something like that. That's actually a really interesting story to tell. I don't really like the Harry Ron aspect of that story, but the rest of it is really fascinating. I don't care what color the panties are, Chris. I really don't. There's a really awesome fic where Rodney, it's a Vegas AU of Stargate, and Rodney um, goes to a whorehouse and picks John, and John's in drag and a little other skirt and a pair of frilly panties. And it is the hottest thing I've ever read in my life. It is so hot. I will uh, call up my pin board and find it for you. Now i just got to find it. I think I actually labeled it with panties. No, that's the wrong one. I do have one labeled as, as panties. Uh... It's it's John and Rodney. It's a Vegas AU. It's on AO3. John's in drag. He's wearing panties. Um, and John's a prostitute. And Rodney... Um, it's actually a short story, so it's on topic. It's a great story. It it tells a very uh, – it's a character piece, really, I think, for Rodney, because you learn a lot about Rodney all through that while he's – why he went to a brothel and, and picked a, a, a drag queen um, and – Pretty Good for a Girl by, I can't say the name. Oh, no, it's not there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I might die. Um. <clears throat> I will look for a link later, and if I can find it, I will post it on uh, my Twitter. It's called Pretty Good for a Girl. And for some reason, it's no longer um, on AO3, and that's pretty sad. That's really sad. I don't even know what to think. Pretty good girl is what it's called. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm I'm terribly disappointed. And also, I'm also terribly disappointed in the fact that I can't um, copy and paste out of my own damn pin board. It's it's ridiculous. What? Does that make any fucking sense? Okay. So, short story construction. When I structure a short story, I do five acts. And for 
rough trade in July, I'm going to do five 2,000-word acts to get my 10,000-word word count. And the minimum word count for July to win the challenge is 9,000 words, and the maximum is in the range of 10,000. Don't go over 11, you know, because this is about minim minimizing your craft. It's about um, telling a complete story. This is not a scene out of a larger work. It's not the prologue or the first chapter of a larger work. It is a complete story on its own with a, with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And like I said, this is an important skill I think you should learn. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. You don't have to participate. <laughs> you know, that, that's what it boils down to. You can <clears throat> just not participate. I'm really super irritated that I can't actually fucking copy and paste out of my own pen board. What is that? Is that like a Chrome thing or something else? I don't even know. It's really annoying. <coughs> okay. So you take your five acts, and your first act, and I wrote, I had something really awesome written from when I did this last time, and I didn't get to, like I said, I thought today was Thursday, the whole day, so I'm all fucked up. Um, five acts, 2,000 words apiece. Your first act should be your opening, and it should open strong with a really sharp, tight scene that draws your right, your your reader in and grabs them by the balls. You know, you want to grab your reader by the balls, haul them into your story in such a way that they're not going to stop reading until they're done. And if you can do that, you've succeeded as a writer, no matter, no matter the length of your story. Because sometimes, like, I get an email from somebody and they accuse me of keeping them up for five days. I have no regrets because that means you think I'm awesome. If I've ever kept you up in the middle of the night to read my stuff, I'm kind of proud of it. I'm sorry that your work day sucked the next day or you had to skip work because of me. I apologize, sort of. No, not really. No, not really. Um, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of pleased about the whole thing because that means that I have grabbed you by the balls, whether you got them or not. I'm also terribly pleased when I bring a fan into the fandom and pop their cherry. That, that's always fun. I get that email. I didn't even read Stargate until you. Really? It's so exciting. I love it. <clears throat> okay. So after you establish your opening of your story, your act two should be about character intimacy drawing your reader into your character's motivations and actions for the story to the point where they're like, yeah, they're totally on board with whatever your character is going to do by the end of this act, whether it's John going to go kill a whole bunch of people or Rodney cussing some people out. You know, you just got to get them, you got to invest your reader in your character 
Act three is about movement. You're moving your character. And it doesn't have to be physical movement, but it can be. It's about moving your character through your story in a way towards the end. It's about, it's about jumping in and moving and growing. So you want your character to grow and move through your story in such a way that it's like, Wow. And so by the end of it, they're all, wow, I love this character. I can't believe I didn't like this character before. I can't believe they did that. That was so exciting. Um, Act four should be your big moment, your climax, the orgasm. You need to give your reader a good bang, you know, boom. And if you do that, they're going to be over on Stargate Story Finders six months from now going, hey, remember that story that did this and did this and then there was that? Oh, my God, did you read that? I can't find that story. I don't know who wrote it, but do you? I love those moments. I love them. Your final act is your resolution. You've, you, you move down the slope a little bit of the um, story pyramid. You give your characters room to breathe. You give your reader a, a resolution that um, makes them happy. Or alternatively, makes them cry like a baby, depending on what kind of writer you are. Um, I don't know if it's polite, Bastaz, but um, if you would send that to me in my email, I would be eternally grateful. There's a chat thing going on, and I'm not going to discuss it because I'm not sure how, how kosher it is, but I I really want it in my email. <laughs> when a writer pulls something out of fandom and it, and it disappears entirely from fandom, you're left thinking, oh, well, maybe they don't want anybody to have it or... And then you get mad because you didn't save it, and you feel like an idiot, and it was fantastic. My email is kiramarcos at gmail.com, just saying. And so, you know, <clears throat> you have these moments of indecision as to whether or not, oh, do I want to go ask for this? Do I want to ask the author why it's gone? Can I send them a message? Why they take their stuff down? Why they go away? It's so terrible. But anyways, sometimes a writer takes something down because they want to rewrite it, or they become uncomfortable with with something they've written, or they feel it and no longer represents them as a writer or you know as a person in the fandom. That's fine. Um, so, <clears throat> okay. We talked about the structure of a story, and I'm going to put this um, on um, rough tray when I, when I do my um, big, my big announcement and I set up the uh, the, the sign in for it. And the sign in this time is going to be comment form instead of um, emails because I think I lost emails last time, <coughs> and they were you know it was kind of difficult. So. Uh, Oh, that reminds me, someone's talking about AO3 and, and kudos. I recently left kudos on a work in progress, and the author emailed me, and um, 
she uh, freaked out because I was reading her stuff. I don't know what to do with that necessarily. I I, I really don't. Um, I read in the fandom. I read a whole bunch in a whole bunch of fandoms. I read in the Avengers. I read in Grimm. I read in Hawaii Five-O. I obsessively read in Inception. If you've written Inception, there's like a 99.9% chance, as long as it didn't have a rape or non-com warning, that I've read it. And it was not a good freak-out, Chris. It was not a good freak-out at all. That's what it is. And I have actually... There's my dashboard. Somebody's on hold. Um... Is that you, Lady Holder? I don't know if I'm scary or not. All I know is that um, she freaked out when she found out I was reading her work and told me she couldn't write. I don't know what to do with that. Oh, no. I crashed my own chat room. Um, I have put a link up in the chat room for those who are interested um, in in reading that story I was talking about earlier. Uh, There was some anxiety there, and, you know, I've I've been there. I got super excited when... when, when, um, Tarlin commented on my live journal, or it might have been my old site. I don't remember which one, but it was terribly exciting. I um, And the first time Dances with Gary, <laughs> the first time Dances with Gary um, posted on my live journal, I giggled like a little girl for like 30 minutes. But I didn't get like stage fright or performance anxiety. I did not have a problem with pre-ejaculation. So I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. But some people have a hard time posting in public anyway, and they get this um, idea about they get this idea that that they're somehow insulated and, and no one's really reading it. And then when someone moderately popular. hits it or comments on it or puts kudos on it, and and they realize that they're not uh, exactly um, free. Then they have to, you know, do something else with it, you know, and they have to recognize that that the fandom isn't quite as small, it isn't quite as big as they thought it was, and they're um, out there for everybody to see. Not just the people who are commenting, but people who don't. And for every comment I get, for every person on my site who comments or, or is a member, there are 25 or 30 who who don't and never will. And so, it talk, you know, there are people reading my work that I have absolutely no interaction with whatsoever. And it's crazy. It is super crazy. But it is what it is. 
So anyways, I'm going to, when I'm on Rough Trade tomorrow, uh, I will be uh, setting up the post. You will be signing up through comment. If your comment is approved, that means you have been added to the list. You can sign up for one challenge or both or neither. If you can't obey the rules of the challenge, if the limitations on the challenge make you uncomfortable, then just don't participate. And don't try to ask me to change the rules to suit you. That's not fair to everybody else. Everybody else who agrees to do it the way I want them to do it deserves my respect just as much as you do. And it's terribly unfair for you to ask me to make exceptions for you. So don't ask me to make exceptions for you. And that includes the deadline for signing up. I am so serious about this. About this. Last time I had like 15 people try to sign up for Rough Trade after the deadline. One of them the day before we were set to start. For real? For real? Don't do that. Uh, it's a lot of work and uh, bullshit, and, and, and don't do me that way. There's not going to be any crossovers. There are two fandoms. The first challenge is Stargate. The second challenge is Harry Potter, period. There are no crossovers. There are no fusions. I'm not going to add any more fucking fandoms. It's what you got. If you want to write professionally, write on a deadline, and write for market, you have to accept rules and limitations on your craft and consider this an exercise in patience, or just don't consider it at all. And, and you can sit over there in the, in the, in the, in the audience section and, and not do anything. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <coughs> and I have some fantastic art for my... Uh, I finished... Huh. <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about my OCD. So now that I've finished discussing what I want to talk about, Rough Trade, and oh my God, I've got like 20,000 windows open and not a single one of them is actually my studio. Okay, there it is. Um... My shockwave crashed and my studio wants to reboot. I have no idea what, that, what, what that's going to do. But I feel like if I don't reboot my studio, I won't be able to do anything with it. This is a conundrum. I don't know what's going to happen. If the radio show gets cut off, I apologize. I am now rebooting. Ah, oh, it rebooted perfectly. Can you still hear me? I hope you can. Hello? Okay. So, <clears throat> I want to talk about um, a little personal writing quirk of mine that um, I discovered today. Last night, I finished part 25 of um, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, and it's called Hermione's Circle. And it is uh, probably one of the... It's definitely one of the longest pieces of the story so far. Of the, it's the it's one of the longest episodes I've done of the story. It's it's 14k. Um, it is in Chris and Lady Holder's inbox. Do not harass them about the beta. I'm so serious. Sometimes you Harry Potter fans are crazy. I mean that in the best possible way. Do not harass them about the beta. Okay. Uh, and Marley is doing me some fucking awesome fan art. I've already seen some uh, 
So the I'm just, I'm just terribly excited. She's a badass unicorn. Um, anyways, <clears throat> there are okay. Here's the thing about me. There are currently with this part coming up, 25 parts of, of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. And let me give you a little background. There are 10 parts to Tangled Destiny's first volume. There are 10 parts to what might have been. There are 15 parts to Ties That Bind, 14 currently written, 15 currently in, pro, um, in, in process, and then I have a bunch of interludes that don't count. There are 20 episodes of Sentinels of Atlantis. Do you see a little, and then there's some little interludes in, the, in there too, but there are 20 full episodes of Sentinels. <laughs> Do you see a little pattern here? I write in sections of five, apparently. Um, so when I finished uh, 25 and I realized that although I had finished all 25 parts that I had planned to write, that my story for um, volume one of, Harry Potter and a Soulmate Bond, is simply not done. I thought, oh, well, I'll just... Because I had this idea, and I only ended up writing half of it for part 25. And I realized I actually had, like, 26 parts, and that drove me crazy. I can't have 26 parts. I have to have 25, or it's going to have to be 30. Because, because of reasons. Oh, honey, I'm a shower and a grower. Yes, I am. I can't. I can't leave it at 26. It, it, it really messes with me. It, it bothers me a great deal. I don't even know what to do with it. I was like, I can't. No, no, I can't. No, that's just not possible. And 25 is 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 not the end. It is it is simply not the end. So, um. I don't know. So thirty? No, it it can't be twenty-seven. It it's it's increments of five. I, I don't even know. Does this happen to me in my professional work? No, and there's a very good reason for that because I tend to write um, either novella, which is about twenty-five k, <laughs> so maybe a little bit. <laughs> my novellas always end up being about twenty-five k. <laughs> That's a little crazy. Or oh, and then I do um novel work. Um and so <clears throat> and that's different. But when you're posting in episodes or in um in parts, it's it's different than writing in a chapter format. And I I can't really explain it more than that. But I have developed this quirk with my fan fiction and um, it made me super uncomfortable with the idea that there was going to be 26 parts to the first volume of, of Harry Potter and, and the Soulmate Bond. And it, you know, it's a, I can't even explain, it's just craziness. I know. See, that's the thing is when you know you're crazy and you still make no effort whatsoever to do anything about it. Anyways. <clears throat> I'm going to, uh, for the record, for the record, I uh, will structure the November rough trade 
as normal. Um, it will be open to fandom and original work. Um, and it will be 50K, which is the um, standard challenge for November for National Novel Writing Month. There's somebody who's been on hold for like 40 minutes, and I have no idea who they are. So I'm going to put them on the air. You're on, you're on the air with Kira? Kira. Hi, Kira. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Kira? Who is this? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you... I, I have the broadcast <laughs> turned off. I've been listening to it on my phone. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that that uh, broadcast that you lost on Rough Trade, I have mm-hmm. it. I have the file. I mean, I downloaded it that night. I was listening to it. And I mm-hmm. waited till it came up to where you could, like just a couple minutes after it finishes up, it's ready to download. And I downloaded it right off of the thing, so I didn't know if you wanted it. I know you went into a lot of detail that night on um, on structuring the short story, and so I, I didn't know. But I wanted to let you know that it actually does exist. I have the actual file. And the other thing I wanted to tell you since you've been discussing it is I just I wanted you to know that you popped my cherry. In Harry Potter, I had I had never read the books and still have not read the books, and I had never seen any of the movies, had never read any of the fan fiction, and I read Birth of the Serpent, Birth of the Serpent King, and um, you know that was all she wrote. Now I'm obsessed with Harry Potter fanfic, and I do blame you 100 percent. And also, I wanted to mention, Birth of the Serpent King, even though you tend to write in multiples of five, has actually 12 parts. No, it's ta- it has Just 12 chapters. That's different. 12 it's a chapters. Novel. Yeah, it's a novel. Oh, okay. I don't consider that part okay. of it, because that that's like, it isn't the okay. same thing at all, because there are episodes. Uh, all right. Because I one of them has only 13 uh, chapters. I think that's Oh, Black Magic has 13 chapters, which at the okay. time kind of made me uncomfortable, and I don't have a problem with the word 13, but uh, I wrote a story called Old Black Magic, and it has 13 chapters. That's very, um... <laughs> yeah. Well, I never even thought of that, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. But even, even uh, but it was funny because I got to thinking about it, and The Awakening, which is a novel, too, that has 10 chapters. Uh, so I was thinking everything was in multiples of five, and then I thought, no, wait a minute. I don't think no, there are exceptions. Yeah, yeah, there, there, are. there are a few exceptions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I do tend to write in, in multiples of five, um, especially when it comes to uh, short story work. Five chapters. Well, uh, however, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you went into a lot of... Um, detail about it the other day, and I thought if I was ever going to try to write a short story, there was a lot of good advice in there. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say was also, you you, you completely popped my, my cherry on, on Harry Potter, but the alternate original series for Star Trek, mm-hmm. I, I, you were my very first on that, too. Now, with that, <laughs> I did I did watch the movie first, but not until it had been out, like a couple of years. It was a, I was very slow getting it, and I'm an, I mean, I'm an old-time tracker. You know, when, when the original series debuted on TV in 1965, I was watching, because I'm old. So um, 
anyhow, I was very late getting to the new series, but you, you know, you kind of you broke me of that, and now of course I'm obsessed with that fan fiction too. I just thought. I'd now, really have you there. read the Harry Potter books? No, I have not read the books. <laughs> no, the only thing I I have ever read, and it it, it all started with you, was is the fan fiction. But you know, it's amazing how much I actually know about the novels and the and the movies. I have talked to people who have no idea I've never read or seen them. The, yeah, you know, because just, you get so immersed in the canon from You really do. The Yeah, you have a lot of canon fan, reading fan fiction. It is amazing. Although for the record, yeah. um Jenny never really was. I don't think they ever said in canon that she was possessed by Voldemort. She was used by Voldemort, but I always have her possessed by Voldemort. And someone right. brought it up to me in an email once, um, like it was canon, and it's not. She was fucked up and misused yeah. by the diary, but they never say explicitly in the canon that she was possessed by, which makes her actions even worse. <laughs> Yeah. She butchered all those yeah. roos- roosters, and she wasn't actually possessed, oh, just influenced by the diary. Um, what's your username terrible. online? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I told you. I'm Iador Spike. I'm Iador Spike. Oh. I'm, all, I'm always around. I'm always around. I've talked to you before. Um, yeah. I called when you were having call-in night, and actually... I'm going to tell you this because I'm actually, I've been wanting to tell you. I we're playing words with friends. We've been playing for a few games now, and I but I don't play under that name. That's about the only thing I do online under my um my what I'd call my real name ID. Uh-huh. And um, anyway, I on a whim, you know, I just put your name in one night. I was looking for more people to play. And it came up, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's Kira. So I started a game, and you started playing. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. We have, I don't know, four or five games now. So we're playing a game right now. But um, I've had, like, I have 25 games going at any given time. I know. It's ridiculous. I am, but yeah. I'm, playing, right, I'm playing, like, 14 or 15 games. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And, I, in fact, I do message you occasionally about the um, – about the online, the broadcast, I'll say, you know, this happened, or really, are you really, you know, so I'll Oh, yeah, I know, I know who you are, I know, I Okay, know. yeah, yeah. 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 I won't say it, but, well, but I know I, who you are. No, no, that's okay, I mean, but you can call <laughs> me, I, I always find my, my first name, I don't care, I'm Anna, and I've always, you know, because people, you know, and the reason I started giving out my name was, is because my name is kind of hard to shorten, I adore Spike, because it sounds weird to call me I adore, but Spike is weird because that's really not what my name is about. I don't know. I always think in my head I'm Xander because I adore Spike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh, I get it. I name. get it. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so it never Here's the rule of thumb. When you play Words yeah. with Friends with, with, with other minions, don't play against yes. Marcus. He's a real bastard. And he knows a oh, whole bunch okay. of foreign language words, and it's terrible. He'll break oh, out okay. some foreign language word for seen... food, and it'll be like 100 points, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm 
just saying. I just, I'm just saying. Yeah, I I totally hear you. Um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm actually doing pretty well overall, but um, I've improved my. Because when I first started playing, and it's been a couple years ago, I you know when we played Scrabble at home. We didn't play it cutthroat like that. We just played, you know, trying to get a good word. And I never, ever even cared about the point. God is my witness. And, you know, online it's all about the point. And people are vicious about this game. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My brother is one of the worst. I mean, I could absolutely kill my brother. I stopped playing him for like a year because I couldn't stand it. My sister and I actually had a cuss fight over the phone over a game of Words with Friends. I totally Yes, we did. That. Yeah. Because she <laughs> called me that. at like 5 in the morning, because I play at night, you know, because I'm a night owl. And yeah. Um, yeah. she calls me at 5 o'clock in the morning, and she says, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I scored like 180 points on a single word, and she's like, that's bullshit. Oh, man. And she's also one of those assholes, if you're beating them by a whole bunch of points, they'll just quit and start a new game. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Or or if you start a game and you get a really high um, score, they quit. I've had that They'll decline the game altogether. That's fucking kind. Yes, I have had that happen. Do you ever look at the leaderboard? On the, Sometimes you know, it, it consists of people you play. Well, there's this one guy on the leaderboard, and he's actually higher than me. I'm usually second or third, sometimes fourth, whatever. This guy won last week, and he wins a lot. He, dec- he declined a game with me after, uh, you know, leaving a game with me because apparently he did, he felt challenged. And I know it's a guy because his, his thing is actually Michael. I mean, well, maybe I don't know. I'm assuming it's a guy. Yeah, but anyhow, yeah. I was mad. I thought, well, you jerk. You know, I mean, I lose you know, games all the time, but that doesn't mean I stopped playing with that person. Except for my brother, but that was a, <laughs> that was a separate Early thing. on, when I was playing Zuma Blitz like three or four hours a day, I actually, on a tournament end day, we were like two hours from the tournament ending, and I had managed to battle my way to the top, and I did not want to not get gold. I had ten pending friend requests that I waited until the tournament was over just in case one of those bitches had a higher score on Zuma than me. I have no shame. (laughs) That was You were determined. I have no shame. And you know what? Angry bird friends makes me so mad I have to give myself a timeout. Oh. I only play Angry play it Birds incessantly. by myself. Yeah. Well, Angry Birds friends on Facebook, there's a tournament mm-hmm. that you fight that you fight for the top uh-huh. with, your, with your friends, and you think to yourself, oh, you know what? I'm gonna fucking unfriend you so I can get the top scores. I can get my 200 coins. Yeah, that's, that's sad. <laughs> which is that's, ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. Uh, it's stupid. That's bad. I, I know it's amazing how these things so gain uh, you know importance in our lives, even though they are just games. But oh well. But anyway, speaking I am excited of, to be playing. Speaking of boy names yes. online, you're talking about that that person you assume is a man on Facebook. When I first joined yeah. fandom, I almost took a male pen name. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Which would have made this radio show impossible, or I would have had to come out and tell well, you bitches that I was actually did. a girl. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of did. I mean, I guess. I adore Spike. I guess. I kind of did. There are sometimes um, I can't tell. Um, yeah. yeah. I make an assumption. Because right. most most of fandom is female, and and you assume that that's most true. of the people that you interact with in, in fandom are but female. Not, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not always the case. I do have a bunch of no. boy minions. Yes, you do have a bunch of boy minions. I know some of them, and um, I read I read a bunch of them when they do you know something on Rough Trade, because uh, several of them have done stuff on Rough Trade, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're really good, really good stuff too. Um, yeah, I know, but you you know you're right though. Probably ninety nine percent of the time it is a woman, but it's yeah. not always. There are boys out there doing doing things with other boys, which is all good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my husband assumes that all of the men on my Facebook are gay, and it's not true. Oh, that's not There are true, plenty yeah. of no, men on my Facebook friends list that are straight because I write that het story in Harry Potter, and there are actually a lot of male Harry Hermione um, readers. Oh, reading it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Emma Watson's hot, so it, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's a pretty girl. <laughs> She's a very attractive young lady, um, woman. Yeah, She's she a grown is. woman now. We, we have to yeah. keep that in mind because we saw her. Yeah. I never watched the movies. But she kind of grew up in the movies, and so you see her as a little girl, but she's really not. She's a grown woman now. And um, I yeah, think she even made, like, the Sexiest Woman Alive list. So, you know, Chris King is saying in the chat room that she'd do her. That's, yeah. I, I'm not saying I'd... Um, yeah, I'd grow a dick for her. I, yeah, I, I would. I totally would. Um, she recently graduated Brown University. That's right. She did. I saw that. I did see that. She was on... Um I don't know. I think it was on, was it Craig Ferguson or Dave Letterman? One of those. Uh, they're the only two ones, they're the only two I watch at night. Oh, is this Marcus that mentioned she just graduated from the university recently? Is that the one you said don't play in words with Right, yes, him. He's on Facebook. Oh, okay. Do not play words with friends with him. He's a bastard. Okay. I mean, best way okay. possible, I don't, Marcus, I really do. I don't play. I'm not on Facebook at all, so... That's oh, unlikely that was, to happen. That's how I play you on Facebook. Oh, well, you may play me on Facebook, but I'm not actually on Facebook. Uh, I just have um, words with friends. Yeah. On your tab or your phone? Yeah, I have it on my phone, and I I just got an iPad, and I, I play it on my iPod, too. So, yeah. I have. Anyway, yeah, that's how I play. I'm not, I don't have a Facebook account. I'm kind of, I'm sort of anti-Facebook. The Which I know you really, and, and, well, then you you miss a lot of my smartassery, I have to say, because um, I, I get very smartass on few, Facebook. You're one of the few things that would, you're one of the few people on earth that would drag me into Facebook, but so far, <laughs> I'm holding fast. <laughs> I'm hanging in there, I'm not going down that, that road. <laughs> it could happen. I don't know. No, but now that you're doing the radio shows, though, I mean, this is really working for me, so. Well, thanks. I, I, I don't know what to do with it, really. Can't. I mean, I just get on here and bitch about things and, and talk about stuff, and, and it works yeah, out, I guess. You can, I don't know. You can do that all the time, and I would I would absolutely love it. It was just, 
Um, I love it. Like, even when you're talking to Lady Holder and you guys are talking, and, you get, and then it seems like you get really um, newly involved in some of your things that have been, are still works in progress. And I yes. like how you get excited and newly excited about things, and, and you're talking about it. I, I would call some of those nights, except you're already talking to Lady Holder, and I'm saying, oh, I don't want to... I don't want to break her stride because if she's going to give us some more of this or that, you know. I'm going to tell you a little secret about me. My theme Uh, song in life is nothing's going to break my stride. Okay, well, that's that's good. That's good. But, you know, I'm still, like, frothing at the mouth and absolutely dying for more Lantian Legacy. And you've been talking about that a lot yet lately, and I'm like, no. I'm super excited be- about the ideas that I have for the future. I just have to get there yeah. first. And sometimes yeah. taking the journey in a story can be very frustrating, you know. Well, it all, because it all I have it all in my head. Book two turning into book three, yeah. Yeah, that, I have this all in my head. So I told mm-hmm. myself a story in my head, a, a big one. It's huge. If I, t- if I wrote down the story I told myself, it would easily be 500,000 words. But the problem and is I told, that. This, <laughs> I told this big story in my head, and then I got really excited about certain parts of it, but I can't tell you these parts because you don't know this part. You know, and so yeah. I, would be leading, yes, I would be leading my reader down a yeah. path where they would have absolutely no information. And so I, yeah. I can't do that because it would be very dissatisfying. Yeah, but, okay, but let me just say that you letting us know that those parts of the story actually exist are making you like the biggest cock tease in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a cock tease. It's a cock tease scary. never delivers. I, I always I deliver. I believe you. It's just it's that one. For some reason, now I've probably read it. I don't, boy, I've read it. 10 or 12 times, minimum. minimum. I'm always surprised when I read that first one, No Enemy Within, how short it is. Yeah. What it's it's only what, like 50,000 words. words. Yeah. It's, I think it's around 60, yeah. Yeah, it's not super, super long, but it's, boy, it's good. I just love that it's, story. It's a really it's, thick story. It's it's very tight. And I, mm-hmm. the thing is, is, I spend a great deal of time on it. And, and that's why I... Uh, Starlight's saying it's 66K. Um, yeah. It, I really, I mean, I crammed a whole well, bunch into it. One, isn't that the one that when he started it, it was like um, 25,000 and then it went to beta and it just kept blowing up? Yeah, it blew, it, it blew up. <laughs> it blew up. I think, wasn't it Chris? That, no, I don't think it may be Chris and Sister. Chris asked me. And, Chris asked me two hundred plus questions in the in the first draft of Lantian Legacy. Wow! Literally, she asked me two hundred questions. That's amazing. It, it's kind of awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was. That's thinking. the thing about about, about having a beta. Um, process like I do, uh, Chris and, mm-hmm. and Lady Holder approach top subjects and topics from, from vastly different points of view. For, mm-hmm. Number one, their, their life experiences, and, and, and number two, the age difference. Um, and so I, I get a different perspective from Lady Holder mm-hmm. than I get from Chris. And um, right. 
And it's more than, you know, and I talk about Chris saying, oh, this needs more sex. Because um, she does say that a lot, <laughs> but she says a lot of other things, too. She is mm-hmm. um, uh, an, an amazing beta. They both are. And I've learned so much about my craft just by answering their questions in, in beta and, and reshaping scenes to to meet the uh, expectation that they both have coming out of it and saying, hey, um, I you probably thought this, but you didn't put this in here, so could you put that in there and tell me how they got there? Because I'm not sure how they got there, and I, I really want to know how they got there. And so when you have somebody like that in your process, eventually you start to anticipate when you're writing yeah. what they're going to want to know more about. And it, it, it fills you out. As a writer, it, it, mm-hmm. it fills you up and it fills your plot up and it, and it makes your sto- your scenes really robust. And because you're, you know, I say that I write for myself and I do, but I think I've grown as a writer because of the beta process. And I've um, I tell myself bigger, fuller, and more vivid stories than I did even five years ago. And I blame Chris That's and Lady cool. Holder for that. <laughs> I'm not sure blame is the right word there. I know I'm gonna go with blame. Yeah. I'm gonna go with blame. <laughs> oh, I I'm gonna appreciate it myself because I certainly enjoy reading it. Um, I'm curious about one of the things I haven't really heard you say much about, but I do enjoy when you guys get talking about these stories. But one of the things I haven't heard too much about was um, Tangled Destinies, and I wasn't sure, you know, if that's even on your radar right now. I know you kind of flip from here to there, um, depending on what the mood strikes. You know, you told me once that when you write 5,000 words a day, you might write 500 on this and 1,000 on that, and so you you do kind of move around. I don't um, I know that you that you can move around in the same day, but what I'm curious is, you know, where is Tangled Destinies? Just out of curiosity. Um, well, the first arc of Tangled Destinies is finished. The first right, arc is finished, so that's why right, right. I haven't really had my author commentary on it yet. Because okay. here's All the right. thing, I I didn't do one, and I don't want to talk about about it too much because um, I'm replotting. And uh, I I had this whole plot planned out um, where I pulled events from the original series and the original Mm -hmm. movies and the new movie that I had. And then they did what they did with Khan in Mm -hmm. the darkness. And it Mm -hmm. really fucked up my plot. Now, I could ignore Mm -hmm. it. I could mm-hmm. try. The thing is, is I really can't ignore Benedict. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. can't ignore him. And it, um, there's just sometimes when a canon event is injected into your um, in, um, into your fandom that you can't maneuver around as a writer, or at least I can't. So I can dismiss canon left, right, and center, but there are some things. It's like. I don't know, I can't explain it. But what happened was is well, um, that I got Joss. You. You I got, got Joss. Yeah. I got Joss. Yeah. And I'm going to have to replot. Right. And okay. um well, so yeah. 
Well, no, I did know that the first arc was done, though. I did. I understand that, and I'm good with that too. It's a wonderful, and, it, and as, even as it stands, it's a lovely. Um, it's a lovely reread. You know, I've re- I I won't tell you why I stopped too. it there. I I will tell you that. Um, I got tired of writing no sex because Chris Pine is gorgeous, and it was really and, and and they're really young, and I really regretted it about three yeah. episodes in. Writing them so young. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what's the nice going to do with this? On the one hand, yeah. yeah. I can it's see charming where that would and get. sweet and romantic, yeah. but. But you want to. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to. The arc two is going to start when they're. Um, um, the arc. The first arc will probably be their wedding ceremony on Betazoid. Beta Z. Beta oh, Z. wow. Yeah. That's Are they probably gonna how I'm going to open it. Oh my God! So, and those weddings are so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's gonna I, be naked. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. They'll be naked everywhere. Gonna have to be naked because he. They told him that he wasn't gonna have to. Yeah, there's gonna be naked. Yeah, yeah. He's naked to do that. Just like awesome. Amanda. Amanda won't be naked you know, because Sarek won't allow it. So there will be a lot of naked, and Spock will be horrified, and it will be fantastic. Um, I'm looking he's forward to it. And he's, he's like 100 years old, isn't he? Not that Scott, Scott Bakula is not a fine figure of a man, because he is, and I would love to see him naked, but I'm not yeah, sure Yeah, but old Scott Bakula probably isn't going to be all right. that hot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like 100 or so, I don't know. That might be a He's 120-something in that. Um, oh, is he? Yeah, he's, I knew he was. Yeah, yeah, he's up there. Um, all I ask in the chat room is Tangled Destinies an ebook. Yes, there is an ebook of Tangled Destinies. If you're a member of my site, I have a whole section of ebooks. I have the First Lantian Legacy, both my Harry Draco stories, um, Tangled Destinies. I have an ebook called McShep and Short, which which had all of my McKay Shepherd stories to date when I did that project. Um, it's McShep and Short, Volume 1, and it has most of them. Uh, Human Nature has its own. I think an Emotional Clockwork has its own ebook as well. So there are a whole bunch yeah, of them. Yeah, it does. Yeah, there are a the whole bunch of ebooks. Yeah, so yeah, the Awakening is there as well. You've got a really nice section of um, ebooks. Um, I'm currently working on what might have been the book, and that's why it isn't up there. I've been messing with it, and I've added. Um, well, it's a monster. I've added. I've added about 10,000 words to what might have been during the ebook process. And it's already a monster to begin with. It is already a monster. It, it really is. It's it, over, it, it's it almost 300. Of course, so yeah. is Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. It, and in fact, it probably will end up being yeah. 300. Yeah. And Lady Holder just put a link up for the ebooks in my in the chat room. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to move on to my next okay. section. And yeah, thank you very yeah, much I, for calling Take up all your time. Is there anything no, you, want, fine. you want me to? Well, what about that other show? That um, I'll send you an email. You I'll to? send you an email. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Thanks, Kira. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. <clears throat> I, uh, huh. Okay, so the ebook section, full ebooks. Um, I did. 
I had a whole list of things I want to talk about, and I can't find my list because, hello, it's fucking Thursday in my head. Um, <clears throat> I recently, <clears throat> like I said, I had opened up what might have been, and I've been playing with it and rearranging stuff a little bit here and there, and um, I added a couple of scenes. And honestly, there are there's about 50K of scenes I would actually remove from what might have been if no one had ever read it before. Um, when you when when you put your work online the way I do, sometimes you you go back to it and think, oh God, what was that? What was that? What was I thinking? Why did I do that? Why didn't I do it this way? And but you can't really you, know, you could change it. I could change it and and make you deal with it. And then you bootleg copies of the original around the internet when I, when I wasn't looking. But um. <clears throat> So, anyways, I, uh, I save stories sometimes, not all times. Um, I have a small folder of stories that I have saved over the internet because um, they disappeared or they were going to disappear or I was afraid they would disappear and I... I love them dearly. Or in one case, the formatting on the website was so fucked up I couldn't actually read it. So I copied and pasted the whole thing into a Word document, cleaned the formatting up so I could read the story. I've done that. <coughs> I'm not sure if I actually kept it, but I've done that. Um, I'm going to open up my folder of stories I have saved. Um, okay, uh 17.5, A Love Story by Helen. Close Enough by Fabula Raza. Govery by Solvent. Guide to Geeks and Goons. I don't know who wrote it. Referencing Gilbert Ryle by Brigid. Brigid. Um, the Reluctant Patient by Bone. The entire Ritual series um, is a Sentinel series. It's fantastic. It was um, part of an e-zine. Extendencies by Reaver. Sympathetic Magic by Shedok. No shame. No shame. Um, Total Recall series. I love that series. I was afraid it would disappear, so I had to save it. I had to save Total Recall. Uh, it's by Darkmoor and... I forget the other person. Um, hold on, I'll open it up because I know I have it. Pearson. Uh, let's see. Uh, what it gives by Shell. And your inevitable happy ending by Helen. Uh, those are the stories that I've actually saved to my hard drive to keep them. Um, yes. Sympathetic Magic by Shedok is a Harry Ron, and it's on fanfiction.net of all places. And I read it two or three times a year. It's got a male pregnancy in it, and Harry's a bottom, and he's kind of a wooby. And um, I love it. I love the story. I can't even help myself. Sometimes you encounter a story that just like, oh, it's. I love it. I really do. I really do love it. Uh, oh, I also have one called Protect This House by Atomic Skull. Uh, 
And then I have um, that sardonic smiley, uh, hold on. Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, 2010. That's the Olympic um, fic where John is an Olympic figure skater and Rodney is a uh, uh, hockey player. And it's by... Uh, sorry. Did I just totally forget that person's name after I opened it up? Isn't that ridiculous? Uh, Sardonic Smiley. It's a fucking fantastic story. It is so great. Um I also have the Whoopi Universe by Elena. Uh, I have a whole folder called Karen McFadden. Does 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 anybody else? Because I have all her stuff. I have everything from Karen McFadden. Because um, I don't know why. I highly recommend the Total Recall series by Dartmoor and C. Pearson. Fucking fantastic! It is fucking fantastic work. <clears throat> Sometimes you encounter a story and you read it and it's like it makes the top of your head tingle. That's what happens when I read Darkmoor. Um, the, the top of my head tingles. She Dog makes me giggle and makes me very happy. Total Recall is written in the Stargate fandom. I will, hold on, let me open it up and see if I can't get you guys a link. But I think that originally I might have even wrecked it on um, uh, uh, Slash World. So give me a minute. The Vancouver Olympic one where John is a figure skater and Rodney is a hockey player. No, they both win gold medals in their specific sports. Um, but they aren't like um, skating together. So it's not a cutting edge uh, moment. But it is fucking fantastic. I'm going to post my link to my recommendation for Total Recall in the chat room. If you go over to Slash World and put Total Recall in the search box, you will find my recommendation for the story. And um, I don't actually have a really big wreck about it. Um, I don't know why, because it blew my mind. In fact, I have rarely ever read a story from Darkmoor that didn't blow my fucking mind. Fantastic stuff. Um, <clears throat> I don't read everything by everybody because I have issues with non-con and um, that kind of thing. But uh, the ones I do read that I really, really enjoy, I come over to Slash World, um, Slash World and I talk about. So if I've wrecked it on Slash World, it was because it was awesome. So no matter what I put down in that little why you should read it box, even if it's tiny and, and not really a specific reason why, if I've taken the time out of my day to come over to Slash World to tell you about it, you need to fucking read it because it's going to be amazing. Anyways. Uh, it's also on AO3, so I think I will change my link so that they'll all be together. And there are... It is 68K... Each story is between seven and 10,000 words. There's one that's 15, 18, and and there's six total parts. It is a fucking fantastic read, and I highly recommend it. In fact, I kind of, you know, I I honestly, I I, I recommend anything they write together because they tell a fantastic story. And there's another one, um, there's another story that they told 
that was just amazing. It was just really amazing. Hold on. It was a Stargate. Um, and I, I know I wrecked it on Slash World. Against all odds, it's um, it's also on Slash World as a wreck. It's by Dartmoor and C.A. Pearson. I'm going to put a link up here in the chat room. And um, it is a fantastic, faded, I knew we were always going to be together, soulmate kind of thing. And um, it, when I read the story, I, my mind was literally blown. Blown. Because when I said to my, I said, why you should read this? Because these two authors just redefine what an AU means to me. They they did. They they changed my perspective about what an alternate universe or an alternate reality could be in fan fiction, and it was amazing, amazing. So I highly recommend Dartmoor and C. A. Pearson as writers. Fucking fantastic. They tell that they tell a sharp, tight, concise story. Every word counts. And it is amazing. Amazing. So against all odds, Dawn Will Break is amazing too. Um, and the first one, which I've already... Fuck me, I already forgot the title. It's craziness. Um, Total Recall. Those are all great works. When you talk about writers in the fandom that um, bring together a story in a way that's tight and sharp, and concise, and every single word they tell you has meaning. And it has depth, and every scene draws you further into the story and the event, they're, 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 the path, they're drawing you down. And then when you get to that moment, when everything comes to a head, you're just left breathless. And when you find an author like that, and Dartmoor and C.A. Pearson specifically are very good at this. In, in Total Recall, the moment comes near the very end when the SGC has made a mistake. They make the biggest mistake they could possibly make. And when it comes and you realize what they've done, you get this lump in your throat, and you're thinking, oh, my God, how stupid could you be? How stupid could you be? Do you know what you've done? And you're, t- and you're yelling at the screen going, oh, my God, did you kn- do you know what you just did? And then you finish reading it, and you don't even calm down to the last word. You're like, you're like that's the last minute. But, and when a writer can do that to you, it is amazing. It is a very... Uh, very awesome skill to have as a writer. I don't know that I always accomplish it. It's a goal, but I'm not sure I, I accomplish it on that level. Um, when I talked about earlier when I was talking about the Stargate fandom, it's just how talented the writers in the Stargate fandom are. And it kind of ruins you for other fandoms. When you go into a fandom where there isn't a... Uh, Breadth of talent is missing. 
when you come into a fandom that has a very immature writing base, and I don't mean immature as in age, but an immature as in craft, um, it's a little startling coming out of Stargate, because Stargate has all of these super talented writers. And when you come across a fandom that doesn't have that, you're like, oh, God, I kind of feel sorry for you. <laughs> Come to Stargate. Come to Stargate. Read Resonant. Read Shell. Have you read some Xanth? Here, have this. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> learn from, learn better. Because a lot of times when other young writers enter a fandom, they pick up these terrible, horrible habits from other writers. And when all of your reading, when, when, when you're reading a, a low, this is terrible, this is terrible, but when you read bad fic, and that's all you read, that's what you're going to end up writing. So broaden your horizons. Um, the Inception fandom is is very sophisticated. Um, it's very sophisticated. The writing is sharp and and like knives. And when you come across a really great Inception fic, you it can just it feels like you're being you know stabbed in the gut. It's it's, it's so awesome. But Stargate is this big group of talented, awesome people, and super fans, and in, in a way, as, as far as the the writing talent goes, not as far as, like, they're better than everybody else, but just the writing talent that comes out of Stargate. And and, and also in Star Trek, um, when you encounter a fandom that doesn't have that huge well of talent, it's kind of disappointing. And then you can see why these fandoms tend to be small. Anyways... <clears throat> So come to the dark side. If you haven't read some Stargate, read some Stargate. If you need some wrecks, come to Slash World. Click on the Stargate tag. They're going to be there. You're going to see some shit that will blow your mind. There. Race Killers is an awesome Stargate fic. They're in the chat room talking about the different um, fics they really enjoy. Um, Race Killers is awesome. It's on um, Race Bait, I believe. You go to Race Bait and, and, and put Race Killers in, you'll find it. I'm not sure if it's actually been wrecked on Slash World or not. And Slash World is located on WordPress.com. If you go to my website, KiraMargus.com, there will be a link at the very bottom where all those RSS feeds are, and one of them is for Slash World. If you click on the link at the top that says Slash World, it will take you to the Slash World website where you can look at all of our wrecks. And um, there are roughly 600, 700 wrecks right now, 687. So... You've got lots to read over there, lots of stuff to read. Um, I'm looking to see if Wraith Killers has been wrecked on Slash World, because if it hasn't, I will wreck it this evening. Wraith Killers by Lady Raw has been wrecked on Slash World. I'm going to give a, a link in the chat room. If you go over to uh, Slash World, you can um, find the link for Wraith uh, Killers by Lady Raw, and it is... Fantastic. It's on Race Bait. It's also on AO3, I'm, I've been told. 
definitely need to read it. Lady Raw is one of the uh, most interesting and creative writers in the Stargate fandom, I believe. When she tells you a story, she tells you a story. I mean, it's not like a retelling of canon. She she flips that shit in a way that you're like, yeah, hell yeah, girl, you you go. <laughs> and Lady Horror tells us that she's awesome, that she's a really damn nice lady too. But she's a fantastic writer. I highly recommend her. Um, but like I said, when you when you come into a Stargate, you know, the, the the Stargate fandom, you're just you're just overwhelmed with the amount of talent that you that you see there. And um, I was actually a little intimidated. I'll, but I'll tell you, there are some fandoms I will probably never write in because um, the canon is intimidating, and that's Babylon Five comes immediately to mind. The the canon for Babylon Five is so audacious that there is no way I would ever write in that fandom. Inception, I desperately want to write Inception. I have a couple projects in works, but the fandom is really sophisticated, and I'm not sure if I'm a good fit. I'm just not sure if I'm a good fit. My favorite writer in Stargate is Tarlin. Um, excellent Cynthia Atlantis series. Um, Marley just mentioned it in the chat room. Uh, I love Tarlin's work. Huge, huge fan of Tarlin. Um, she said Chris King says I sit everywhere. I don't know because I do have a style and I do know my own limitations and um, I um, I don't know if I'm a fit for uh, for Inception, but I'm going to write it anyway. Fuck it. Fuck it. I love Star Trek. I don't um, read the original series fanfic because I hate to say this, but even when he was young, William Shatner really never tripped my trigger. Just no. My husband has Blu-ray on the DVDs. I mean, uh, Babylon 5 on DVD. He watches it once a year. Um... And he loves it. He loves the shit out of Babylon 5. It is a great series. It is a fantastic story. It, it tells an amazing, epic, huge story to the viewer. And I could never, ever in a million years write in that fandom. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very intimidated by it. I'm very intimidated by it. Um, <clears throat> but... I do like the alternate reality, Kirk, because Chris Pine is a beautiful motherfucker, and um, I am all about. I'm all about it. I am all about it. Well, Sybil says it's amazing that they managed to finish Babylon Five before it was canceled. Actually, Babylon Five was canceled in season three, but fans lost their minds, and we got two more seasons out of it. Now, what happened was is that Michael, uh, I can't say his last name, um, he realized they were going to cancel him in Season 3, so he told us the whole story, Season 1, 2, and 3, and then they brought it back, so he had to come back and tell us Season 4 and 5. And then we have the awesome Babylon 5 movies. Um, but, the, like I said, the, the canon is so 
kick-ass and huge and complicated and sophisticated that I would never in a million years write for Babylon 5. Yes, it was originally supposed to be a five-season series, but after he was told they were going to cancel it, he made decisions and finished the story he wanted to tell in three seasons because they told him he wasn't going to get a season four and season five. And then they turned around and gave him a season four and a season five. So he ended up having to go back to the drawing board. There's a really awesome article about it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find it, where he talked about how complicated and irritated it was um, and, and how irritated he was to be to, to be done that way by TNT. And, you know, TNT has a terrible relationship with sci-fi. They all, it's like Fox. Fox has a terrible, terrible relationship with sci-fi. You don't ever want to put, you don't ever want to trust watching science fiction on Fox because they're going to cancel it. He cut, they're asking in the chat room what he cut to get the story into three seasons. He cut what you saw in season four and season five. So when you watch the first three seasons of Babylon 5, when you see that final episode in season three, that was what he thought was going to be his last episode. That, so that tells you something like that. that that tells you a great deal about um, what we did and did not see, what we could have seen, the story we we could have been told um, if they hadn't fucked with him and fucked with the cast and, and fucked with the production. Um, because he does tell a big story. And I love Babylon 5 as it is, but I often wondered what we would have gotten from him if we had... Uh, if they hadn't done what they did, if they had given him the room and the creativity and the honesty to say, hey, this is this is what's going to happen. Um, and if they had given him his full five seasons without fucking him over and fucking around. And yes, Marley's talking about Almost Human. I could not be more bitter about Almost Human if I fucking tried. I am never, ever going to watch, I'm never going to get invested in another show on Fox as long as I live. And I might not even watch any more Fox TV shows that I currently watch. Because, hello, did you see the season finale of Bones? Did you? Oh, my God. Okay, no, Fox, Almost Human, Firefly, Dark Angel. John Doe. Um, uh, God, there was another one that was... There was another one, but I forget what it is. Anyway, you just can't trust Fox with um, sci-fi channels. Fringe! Fringe is fucked up, too. They, they fucked up Fringe. But the season finale of Bones didn't just jump one shark, it jumped two. And I don't know, I don't know, um, I don't know what that was. But I'm like, I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't watched it. But I'm telling you right now, 
The last 20 minutes of the episode was the stupidest shit I've seen on TV. Since I got, since I broke my foot and I couldn't find the remote and I got stuck watching a marathon of Dancing with the Stars. That's how dumb it was. Dumb. <coughs> it was so fucking dumb. I actually, if my TV wasn't brand new, I would have thrown something at my TV. That's how terrible it was. See, Marcus, what had happened was, is I had broken my foot. And I had... And when you break your foot, it just, it just wears you out. It just and, You know, I've broken my foot several times, not just once. Um, it... I was all fucked up. Yes, Alien Nation. They canceled Alien Nation, too, motherfuckers. Terra Nova. They canceled it. Um, motherfuckers. I just, ugh. Oof. Anyways. Here I am. With broken foot. My husband went to work. Left me at home. I had my laptop. And I had to get up and get some stuff. So, I'm hopping around my house. I didn't want to use my, um, my, uh, crutches on the stairs because that's just the recipe to get my arm broken to be perfectly frank and so it took me quite a bit of energy to get all my stuff arranged and I got my water and my diet coke and I got food and I I went upstairs and I got comfortable on the bed and I had all my stuff and somehow and I don't know how I, I, I really don't I left my remote in the kitchen why it was in the kitchen I don't know I was so fucking exhausted. And I could turn the TV on, but my TV doesn't have buttons to change the channel. And I got stuck watching Dances with the Stars on Ion or or something. I don't know. I don't know where it was. I got stuck watching Dances with the Stars for four hours until my husband came home from his lunch break. And he opens the door and I was like, dude, you need to come the fuck up here right now. And he comes upstairs, and I'm like, well, you need to get my goddamn remote out of the kitchen before I kill somebody. <laughs> and he said, what have you been doing? I said, I've watched four fucking hours of Dances with the Stars. <laughs> and he, went, he got so tickled with me, he, he went and got my remote. I said, it couldn't even be Law and Order or CSI Miami. It had to be Dances with the Stars. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? And it wasn't even the good season with Jennifer Grey. It was the bad season with no Jennifer Grey, okay? So I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I came precariously close to calling him. I did have my phone and asking him to come home and get my remote because I was exhausted from just – you know, breaking a bone just wears you out. It it really does. Um, <clears throat> I added a new feature to my website. It's called the Bitch Box, and I'm putting little um, announcements in it. There will probably eventually be little bitchy things in it too, just because I called it the Bitch Box, so I feel obligated to bitch in it. I, I do feel obligated to, to bitch in it. Um, Yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV these days. 
mostly because I find it really fucking irritating and I'm tired of, I'm God, I'm so tired of reality TV. I really am. It's to the point now where I would actually be on board with them actually doing The Running Man because, you know what? That would at least be entertaining. What would be great is if all the winners from the other reality show had to come over to a running man type show and the way you won was not to die. That would be great. All of the contestants from The Bachelorette and The Bachelor would have to participate. Every one of them would be required to participate. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Have I considered doing a show with my mother? Absolutely not. um, Someone asked that in the chat room. There is never a situation where I would let my mother on live Internet tell me anything. Anything. Tell you anything. Because she would say things that she should not say. She would be terribly inappropriate. You would learn things about me you had no business learning. It would be bad. It would be so bad. I watched Major Crimes. That was mentioned in the chat room just now. Um, Looking forward to season three. My mom is terribly inappropriate. The only interaction you're going to have with her is what I put on Twitter. Thor's honest truth. I'm going to tell you a story. i got 16 minutes left. I'm going to tell you the story. Me and my mother decided to go to McMinnville, Tennessee. The how and why of why we wanted to go to McMinnville, Tennessee is not important. What needs to be said is we went to McMinnville, Tennessee. We get in the car. We filled up. We got some snacks because we do. We each packed an emergency bag just in case we had to stay the night. We didn't think we would, but just in case. Now, I have a couple of cousins in McMinnville, and they're terrible people. Terrible. Terrible people. And let me tell you why. This bitch <clears throat> invites my mother to McMinnville, Tennessee, and I don't know about this invitation until we get there. My mother has kept this from me. She kept this from me for a reason because if she hadn't if I had known we had been invited to do what we had been invited to do, I would not have gotten in the car and drove with my mother to McMinnville, Tennessee. Because I thought we were going to go pick up something. In my mother's defense, that's exactly what happened. We did pick up something. Okay. Four hours. We drive four hours. We get up at 2 o'clock in the goddamn morning to go to McMinnville, Tennessee. Starbucks isn't even open at 2 (coughs) a.m. 
So around 5.30, I flew off the interstate and get myself some coffee. We pull into McMinnville around 6.30 in the morning, maybe 7, because I took my time. Who knows? It may have been less. Anyways, it was a couple years ago. Okay, so we go to my cousin's house, where I think the thing is is we're going to pick up, except there's no thing. Because you know what my mother had had been invited to do? Apparently, there was basically what you might call a citywide garage sale. Yard sale. Yard sales. There were 52 motherfucking yard sales. It was like the whole damn city turned into a goddamn flea market. And my mother wanted to participate in this. And of course, she did not tell me. Because she knew I would not go. So here I am, hauling my mother my cousin's house to begin what will become a pilgrimage of yard sales hours 12 hours do you hear me okay so we get to my cousin's house I, I realize I've been played at this point because there is a car in the driveway that looks very, very, very familiar to me. So it's no surprise to me when I open, when I knock on the door and my aunt busy body answers. Apparently she'd been in McMinnville the whole fucking week because she didn't want to miss a single minute of the Saturday yard sale, citywide yard sale from hell. So, here we are. My mother, my Aunt Busybody, and my two rat bastard cousins that I have not spoken to since. And I have to spend 12 hours driving these two little old ladies around McVinville so they can go to all these yard sales. 12 hours. Now, here is the kicker, and it's big. 12 hours, 50-plus yard sales, and my mother bought one thing. One thing. It cost three dollars. It was a soup bowl that matched her. My mother likes to collect those brown, uh, old-fashioned stoneware dishes. And she found a soup bowl, and it was $3, and she insisted on buying it. And that is the only thing she bought in 12 hours in 52 yard sales. My Aunt Busybody bought nothing. Nothing. She bought nothing, <laughs> okay? She bought nothing. So I put these two old bitches in my car. Or in my mom's car, actually. It was my mom's SUV. No, she was driving a truck at that point. Um, the truck. Uh, F-150. I put these old bitches in, in the F-150. And I don't speak to them the whole way back 
not one word. I drop my Aunt Busybody off, my mom's truck back to her house. I get in my car and tell her, do not call me for a month because I won't be held responsible for what I say to you if you do. This is the shit you got to put up with when your relatives get old. They do weird, dumb things. And you're like, you don't even know what to do with it. It's $3. $3. Granted, it's a cute soup bowl. It really is. I mean, okay, okay. But here's the thing. There is a dealer that has a stand in a flea market an hour from my house who handles Prussian glass and that brown stoneware exclusively. Two months later, we're in that flea market, me and my mother, and there, right there on his front little counter, is a set of three of those goddamn soup bowls, of which she only has one. And she turns to me and she says, Now see, aren't you glad I got that bowl? Because now I have a whole set. I have placings, I have a place setting for four. It, <laughs> if it was possible, if it was possible to have a spontaneous aneurysm, aneurysm I would have expired on the spot. I was, you don't understand how smug she looked in that moment. I can't even tell you how smug. See? See? Like it made up for it. Like it made up for it. So I looked at the bowls, and they were a perfect match. I said, you know what concerns me most? And she said, what? I said, these are only a dollar a piece. And you pay three bucks for the one you have at home. I'm just saying. And I just walked away. I just walked away and I left her with her bowls. A dollar a piece. That's my mother in a, in a nutshell right there. That's my mother. She... <sighs> She's crazy. She's crazy. So she will never actually be on the air. She did, in fact, buy the soup bowls. And um, last year, during um, one of our holiday meals, maybe Thanksgiving, it might have been Christmas, um, I ate some chicken and dumplings out of one of those bowls. And the thing is about these dishes, this is important that you know this. My mother collects those stone dishes, that brown stoneware, but she doesn't, like, she doesn't let anybody eat out of them. They're not allowed to eat out of them at all, ever. So I'm at her house, and I need some chicken. I'm going to eat some chicken and dumplings. And all the bowls in the cabinet were gone, and I don't eat. I'm just terrible. I'm going to admit this. But I don't like to eat out of plastic as a rule. I just don't. I'll drink out of a plastic glass, but I don't like to have my food on. I can't. It's a weird thing. It's a little OCD. I can't help myself. This is what I got. So 
I go over to her little curio cabinet, pop one of those soup bowls out of there and wash it because it's a little dusty because she needs to dust her shit. Put some chicken and dumplings in it, take my butt into the living room, sit down with it, and everybody like turns and looks at me. And my mother is aghast. She is like horrified by the idea that I have put food in her soup bowl. Pointed my finger, I just pointed my spoon at her and said, don't say a fucking word. I endured 12 hours of hell for this bowl, and I'm going to eat out of it every chance I fucking get. <laughs> and now, every year, I eat out of that bowl. Every chance I get, I go to her house and eat out of that bowl. I ate frosted mini wheats out of that bowl a week ago. I'm going to eat out of that bowl as often as possible for the rest of my life. And she hid it. She uh, she had all four of the soup bowls hidden, but I found them because she's not as uh, slick as she thinks she is. So there you go. Soup bowl. $3 soup bowl. For the record, considering what we were driving, I think it cost us 100 bucks to go to McMinnville in gas alone. Plus the hotel we had to stay in, because I wasn't staying with my two rat bastard cousins. So, there you go. My family is full of crazy-ass people. I have an aunt who was a stripper until she found Jesus. Um... Jesus couldn't pay her bills, so she had to marry a man <laughs> to pay her bills because, you know, it was either that or or, or give up Jesus if I start stripping again. Anyways, I have a cousin who is in the FBI. Aunt Holy Roller was never a stripper. I don't actually, you know, um, if I, the aunt that I'm talking about, I never actually uh, mentioned on my live journal. And if I did, it would be aunt used to be a stripper because it's like the biggest running joke in my family that she used to be a stripper because she's like 90 years old now. And I'm not saying she was a burlesque kind of stripper. I'm telling you she was an outright, could have been comfortable in that movie Porky's Stripper. Let it all hang out. There were no feather boas and... No, 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 no. It wasn't burlesque or... Not that... Let's just put it this way. She was shaking her ass for dollar bills, okay? And um, <clears throat> so she's in her 90s now, and it's it's kind of ridiculous to picture her that way. Um, but uh, my aunt, Holy Roller, did, when she was much younger, before she found religion in the form, form of of the Pentecostal church, she was terribly free with her physical affections, as um, my grandmother liked to put it. And I had this whole collection of um, pictures of her on the beach in the bikini. And last time she pissed me off, I put them on the family um, website and um, called it Aunt Holy Roller of the Whore Years. 
I got so much grief for that. It was so funny. Oh, my God. It was so funny. I, uh, <coughs> when you talk about being inspired by the people in your life, I have to say that I am a very wealthy woman in that respect. Um, my family is uh, creative and funny and extremely entertaining. And you can't go to my aunt's house or my mom's house and interact with my cousins or my aunt or my siblings or even my nephews or nieces and not have a moment sometime during that day when you laugh so hard you're afraid you're going to break a rib because I'm surrounded by people who are just as sarcastic and mean as I am. And that is fucking hilarious. And... (laughs) So there we go. That's um so when you're when when you're thinking about character creation and you're thinking about stories and how to put them together, it's interesting to look at the people around you and your family and put those things you notice into your characters in a way that will um make them real and make them three dimensional and make your story stand out, and make your characters vivid and sharp. And when you have a vivid and sharp character, you can create a story that's just as vivid and as sharp as your character if you concentrate and don't let yourself get distracted by the little details. Anyway, that's it for me this week. Um, You guys have a good weekend, and I will see you next week. billion humans on earth can't all like the same drink that's why circle k has polar pop and froster pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you polar pop and froster just 79 cents each at circle k limited time only at participating locations 500 vehicles to sell 500 ways to save one month only at bill penny mitsubishi during May memorial month now through may 31st we will accept your credit application a 200 dollars down payment and a 350 a week paycheck can get you a new mitsubishi don't forget every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty you can win five thousand with our 5k test drive giveaway visit billpennymitsubishi.com to qualify buyers on approved credit warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only one entry per household per month must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance see dealer for details